Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the premiere debut episode of All That's Written Repeats. You know, we gave y'all a little, um, you know, episode zero about what, you know, is going to be going on in this podcast and everything. So, of course, man, you know, um, do all the normal plugs and everything. Um, remember, like always, to rate, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a friend. Links and everything in the bio, description, all that good stuff below. Um, be sure to check out the new playlist, Dirty 30 is going to be um, on Apple Music and Spotify and everything. Check out the link tree for that. And yeah, without further notice, man, you know, um, like I, I say, because, you know, I have to give him his love and his credit because he's not going to give it to himself. But <laughs> our esteemed, I mean, highly scholared history expert himself, Corey. What's goody, bro? Well, now you're overplaying it more than you did the first time. Well, yeah, because I'm, I'm going to give you love, bro. <laughs> Except embrace the love, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what up with you, bro? Uh, not much, just yeah, you know, got some wrestling on in the background. Cause you know, what else am I gonna do, guys? He doesn't want to give himself credit or whatever. He literally has a he, he has like how many degrees in this? Just two. <laughs> That's two more than me. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair, it's one more than you. You have you have your associate's degree. I do, yeah. I mean, it's not history, but that means you still have a degree. This is fair. <clears throat> you know, all education matters. That is very Something true. that sounds less lame than that, because that sounded kind of corny. <laughs> hey, man, you know, just all, all we need was like a little rainbow and dun, 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 you know, like <laughs> after that little moment. Um, uh, where's LeVar the people, when you need him? Oh, oh, oh legit. Um... The people have already clicked on it and everything, but um, of course, you know, in introduction, what will you be telling me and the world about today? Yeah, well, just real quick before I get to that, I just realized we forgot to mention in episode zero, we're going to be keeping, trying to keep this one a little more PG, so, you know. We're we going to attempt. Get we're going to a broader to, audience. Yeah, so it's now, like, see, now, look, now you're throwing the pressure out on me, but I feel like, you know yeah. what? No, Corey, Corey <laughs> curses way more than I do. I'm so say, I know I'm be. the one that's the problem here. I understand that. <laughs> I've, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, this one might sound a little different than the wrestling one. You know, as in I might sound a little different. You know, who knows? We'll see. We'll see how long that lasts. Hey, well, I say, he, he look, guys, he says that now. Twenty minutes later, or whatever, like you're gonna be like, yo, he, that's the same energy he had for Ronda Rousey on the other episode. <laughs> we'll see. You know what? What happens happens, I guess. But uh, yep. yeah, you know. So I think this this kind of just happened to work out this way. Certainly, we did, we just kind of picked this one because it's the easiest one to do uh, as a first episode. But it kind of works out that we're talking about the Wilmington insurrection of um, 1898. Just literally, we're recording this anyway, literally a day after there was a very racist and very white supremacist friendly um, political rally in Florida, which the name of which I've forgotten. And I'm not even going to give it the respect to saying his name anyway. So that works out for the best. Where there just so happened to be a sitting U.S. Congresswoman named Marjorie Taylor Greene who gave a speech, like literally seconds after a Holocaust denier was on stage and 
said being compared to Hitler isn't a bad thing. Because apparently that's the stage we've reached, I guess, where we can't even agree that Hitler was bad. So, yeah, this kind of worked out weird. You literally just said that this happened yesterday. Is that correct, sir? Yeah, literally last night. It was uh, like it's 2022. We're about to talk about something from 1898. What's changed? Hence the name. Right. You know, little spoiler for, you know, when we get further in. But literally one thing that came out of this or was kind of part of it was. uh, They called it the white supremacy campaign of 1898. Well, you know, I mean, sounds awfully similar to some, you know, some of the things I heard yesterday. So, you know, Big some ass. some people don't change. People uh, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, anyway, racists. Which, again, you know, like I said on episode zero, it's not about all white people being racist. It's about the racist white people being racist. And even one of those is 10 too many, if you ask me. So, you know, just, Big you ass. know, pay attention to like what's going on, I guess, Anyway, so yeah, we're talking about uh, Never for the changed, first Florida. episode, or or you know, change a lot, very quickly, <laughs> please. Oh, you get this joke. You get the uh, joke. I mean, as a right, what's what? The Disney World, Universal Studios, the Heat. Ain't nothing else down there worth nothing. But Miami, what about, I what guess. About Miami your, what about your boy or whatever? You know, Cole Anthony. You know, you put the Knicks jersey on. Dunk in Tim. Yeah, but he, but he plays for Orlando. Yeah. Name five Orlando Magic. I can't. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't even try. You're just like, no, not even gonna. I, not gonna wait I didn't even know time. he played for Orlando to the dunk contest. So, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, we're talking about the uh, Wilmington insurrection of 1898. Some people refer to it as the Wilmington Rage Riot. Also accurate. Uh, this is one. I assume most people don't know about, because even I didn't learn about this until uh, 2020, no, 2019. Yeah, I didn't even learn about this until 2019. You know, I've been, I studied history at ECU for seven years. I learned about this in my last school, my last class of graduate school. And we live in North Carolina. One of the dudes that participated in in this, our high school is named after him. Oh, yeah, we did. I mean, you know, like everyone, at least by the time we were at Hancock, knew that uh, Charles Hancock was like racist and uh, supported the Klan and whatnot. You know, we all know that part. I sure didn't know this part, though, that's for sure. I'm about to say, this is news to me. Spoiler alert. Holy shit. Right. Yeah. So just, you know, a brief summary uh, of like what happened before I get into more details. So basically, yeah. So everyone knows, you know, after the Civil War, uh, black people, black men, obviously, uh, were given the right to vote and started voting Republican because uh, Lincoln was a Republican. And for the most part, the Union was Republican during the Civil War. So, you know, Republicans started winning a lot of uh, seats in Congress and state governments and whatnot, because a lot of northerners would come down south or people from the south would just run as Republicans or black men or run as Republicans, whatever. So, you know, obviously didn't make 
a lot of former Confederates happy for obvious reasons. So they were quite unpleased by this. But a lot of them weren't allowed to vote for the first few years. For the first few years of Reconstruction, so they didn't have much say in that anyway. But eventually, they kind of started slowly taking back power in different states. And in North Carolina, uh, for the most part in the 1870s, I believe the state government was mostly Republican. And the Democrats kind of started making gains back in the 80s, but not many. Because the Democrats basically at that point was mostly just the kind of like wealthier businessmen and whatnot. And in Western North Carolina, you know, there weren't a lot of slaves because there wasn't much farming compared to like central and Eastern North Carolina. So they didn't need slaves. They didn't really care about the interests of the former slave owners and plantation owners and whatnot. So a lot of them, the poor whites and blacks in the Western part of the state voted Republican too. Not all of course, but more is more of a Republican stronghold. And uh, so a lot of Democratic efforts to take back the uh, state legislature didn't work for a while because they couldn't get a foothold in certain parts of the state. And even after they started getting more power, uh, poor whites and black Republicans came together and the poor white farmers, they formed, I believe it was called the Populist Party or the People's Party or something like that. But they got together with a lot of black Republicans and formed the Fusion Party. And in 1890, either 92 or 94, they won the vast majority of like state legislature seats and the governorship on a Fusion ticket, which obviously very much upset the Democrats. And in 1896, I think... The Democrats managed to win a few seats back, but not many. And so by 1898, they were really kind of fed up with the Fusion Party and black Republicans and white Republicans and all that. And um, so this is where Wilmington comes in. Because Wilmington was the largest city in North Carolina at this point in time because it was like the only port, or at least the most important port. So it had to, I think the population was... I think it was around 60,000 by this time. Dang. And it was also mostly black. It was mostly black even before the Civil War. I think like 60% of the residents were black. So, you know, a pretty decent majority for uh, back then. I'm about to say, yeah, definitely for North Carolina too, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for certain yeah. cities, I guess now that we know that aren't Charlotte, Durham, Fayetteville, I suppose. Fayetteville, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another one, but yeah, those are probably the big three. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was about 60% black. And uh, so 1897, they kind of started to get fed up, and that led to the 1898 insurrection where they overthrew the city's government, uh, which even they had admitted was elected fairly. They just weren't happy about it. So they decided to do something about it. So, you know, it's not like they were claiming, oh, the election was fraudulent. No, they they knew it was a fair election. But they overthrew the mayor and uh, the town council anyway. And it's the only event of its kind in American history where uh, 
an elected government of any level, city, county, state, whatever. It's the only time in American history an elected go- an elected American government was overthrown and replaced. So, you know, it has, yay, North Carolina, something unique about us, I guess. <laughs> um, que- question for you, sir. Question yeah. for you. So um, they actually pulled off what was attempted last year on January 6th. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. They, they actually went in there and did something instead of, oh, we're going to come in here and take selfies. And put my feet on someone's yeah. desk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the there's no clear total on how many black people were killed, but the numbers are like 14 to 300. It's like estimated fourteen or three hundred were killed before Jesus. Uh, the end of the day. And this all took place on one day, November tenth, I believe. Started about eight o'clock in the morning before they overthrew the government around four. Uh, yeah, and plenty more driven out of town and whatnot. So you know. So let's get more into it. So more like background details and whatnot. So, you know. So like I said, even in eighteen sixty. When the population was only about 10,000, it was still, I believe it was still even then the biggest city in the state because it was poor. And uh, so because of that, it had a lot of enslaved and free blacks because it was easy to get jobs in, port, in ports and whatnot for slaves and freedmen. Wait, 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 time out right there. So we still have slaves in 1898? No, eight, I, eight, I'm in 1860 right now. So just oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, so this this is kind of why there were so many um, wealthy uh, and even like middle class free blacks in Wilmington after the war, because a lot of them had. Uh, skilled, they were skilled laborers compared to a lot of the poor whites who were unskilled laborers, so it was easier for them to get jobs in the port and whatnot, because they had skills that a lot of the white workers didn't necessarily have. Because they used to already work in the ports and whatnot. And it's kind of this is one thing to help them build their wealth uh, after the war and even before the war, once we were already free. And so, you know, after the Civil War, like I said, politics and most southern states were dominated by Republicans, including elected blacks and, you know, conservatives obviously didn't appreciate that one bit, often labeling uh, white Republicans as race traitors. Because, you know, of course they did. And, you know, so in 1870, uh, with the help of the Klan, Democrats actually regained control of the state legislature for for a little bit. Uh, But this was shortly before the Klan was suppressed by by President Ulysses S. Grant, former Union general, of course. Uh, he, He passed an act called the Force Act of 1870 that let the federal government kind of use troops to suppress Klan activity, which pretty much disbanded the Klan. They were, of course, quickly replaced by a new white supremacist group of paramilitarists known as the Red Shirts, but they formed in Mississippi and didn't get up to North Carolina until much later, about 20 years later. So, in 1876, they... Uh, retook the governorship when Zebulon Vance, a former Democrat, or a Democrat and a former Confederate general, was elected governor of North Carolina. And he 
like many Democrats consider the Republican Party to be one begotten, this is a direct quote, by the way, begotten by a <clears throat> scalawag out of a mulatto and born in an outhouse. You know, not a real high opinion of uh, the Republican Party on the other side of the aisle on that one. Another thing that uh, hasn't changed all that much. Uh, can, can I, can parties I are in? different now, but, you know. Can I can yeah, I jump in and yeah. explain to the people what a, a mulatto is? Because I feel oh, like some well, of our yeah. some of our audience yeah, will point. be a little yeah. bit confused about that. So, you know, Corey, you actually are what people I mean, I guess they yes, like I, yes, I am a mulatto, that is true. Yes, you where one of your parents is black and then the other one is white. Yeah. For our people that do not know, aka Thomas Jefferson's kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, uh you know, don't ever call someone a mulatto. That is yeah, not, don't do that. that. Don't insult. do that. Don't do that. I would not recommend uh, ever doing that one. Yeah, like someone might not know what you're talking about, but don't let someone know that because it, it might not be yeah. good for you, dog. Yeah. Uh, Proceed, was, sir. I'm sorry. I had to, yeah, I had to jump yeah. in there. And uh, so Zebulon Vance, who kind of who represented the Democrats' best chance at establishing their control over the eastern part of the state, and again, because the western part of the state just wasn't having democratic politics at this point in time. Uh, but, you know, in the eastern part, there was more people who weren't as fed up with capitalism because it hadn't screwed them over quite as badly yet compared to the poor farmers in the west uh, where slavery wasn't really viable. Uh, the big banks were more located in the east, uh, the, the bigger railroad companies. And this is why poor white farmers, even in the East, resisted uh, a lot of democratic policies because they felt like they were getting screwed over in favor of the banks and the railroads and uh, the wealthier landowners and whatnot. And so in 1892, they formed the uh, People's Party, which would have been left wing for uh, 1892, uh, obviously. And this was formed in like all of the South, not just North Carolina. This, this was a political party for all of the Southern states. Okay. And it attracted a very large number of poor whites, including in North Carolina. And specifically in North Carolina, the People's Party quickly aligned itself with black Republicans in the uh, Low Country and formed the Fusion Party. Now, this was unique to North Carolina. I don't think there were. As far as I can tell, there weren't any other fusion parties, or at least none that were this popular anyway. And so, you know, so from 1892 to like 1894, they'd already formed a fusion party with the black Republicans. So clearly they didn't have these poor white farmers. You know, they didn't really have an issue of working with black Republicans, even if they might have still been kind of racist themselves. Plenty of them were, of course, because you know, what, who would you rather uh, align yourself with politically? The the big banker, the the land, the rich landowner, the railroad owner who's going to screw you over more to make himself richer, or the black guy down the street who's just as poor as you are? You know, he's going to do things to help himself and help you because you're both in the same boat already. So, you know, in 1894, uh, and in 1896, the Fusion Party won a bunch of state elections at the state level, the county level, city level, stuff like that. And they took, took back control of the legislature and the governorship 
and they repealed a bunch of restrictive voting laws that Democrats had passed to uh, make it harder for blacks to vote, obviously. And also some of them would have made it harder for poor whites to vote, but that was more complicated because sometimes they would just not have to go through the same restrictions or sometimes it was just like, oh, you can just vote anyway. It just kind of depends on that one. Uh, and following these election successes, several hundred blacks received patronage, which is just, that's just when uh, someone, say the governor in this specific interest, that's just when the governor uh, says, okay, you supported my campaign, so now you can have this job. You can be like the marshal or I guess sheriff at the state level in okay. uh, Wilmington. Or you can have this other job in uh, Goldsboro or something like that. It's just when you give like your political allies jobs. It's uh, It kind of still happens today, but I don't think it's we don't really talk about it that way. Like, right, it's all hush-hush or whatever. You know? Yeah, like back Back then, it was basically like, yeah, you supported my campaign. Everyone knows I'm going to make you the sheriff of this city or something. You know, it was just what you did back then, really. Also, I guess it wasn't as big a deal back then because the, obviously the positions were different than they are now. You know, you shouldn't just make anybody like secretary of defense, for example, if you're the president. That would obviously be really stupid. Also, side note, can we get back to a point where it's like, hey, you know, if you want, you vote for me or whatever, and I'll pay you. <laughs> I mean, honestly. <sighs> at this point, yeah, I wouldn't complain. I'm about to say, I mean, it's like at this point, it's like, hey, I mean, shoot, might as well make it good for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, so this, this patronage included like 300 black magistrates, which uh, is the court system, uh, deputy sheriffs, policemen. Like, so we're talking like all kinds of jobs the governor would hand out to, or even state legislature. Like, um, if you were elected to the state legislature, you could get someone who helped your campaign a job in the district you were from. So it wasn't just the governor, but obviously the governor had the most sway when it came to stuff like this. <coughs> and so, of course, now we're back to a point where Democrats. Uh, particularly the wealthy landowners and businessmen were once again upset with the political status quo because they weren't the ones in power anymore. And they felt that uh, fusionist political policies were directly targeted against them, which, I mean, that one probably true because they were not well-liked people at this point in time, but among the uh, poorer people in North Carolina, and this is what eventually led to the insurrection of 1898. In 1897, a group of nine men from Wilmington who are referred to now as the Secret Nine, they were basically businessmen and uh, landowners from the city of Wilmington, uh, basically like nine of the richest men in the city, pretty much. They got together and conspired to retake control of the city from what they referred to as Negro rule, even though Jeez. in Wilmington, despite the fact that the population was mostly black, uh, I believe the city government was only one-third black and two-thirds white. So, you know, i hardly call that Negro rule. More like a few black guys and mostly white people, but, yeah, you know, okay. Too, too many Negroes Whatever. around, man. <laughs> 
whatever you know, whatever helps you make yourself angry, I guess. And uh, they 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 view this as a black domination of local politics. Again, despite the fact that most of the local politicians were white, but hey, you know, what's the truth, right? Who needs that? No, exactly. So you know, they felt that if uh, blacks were continue to elect to be allowed to vote uh and be elected then they would also start going after the jobs of white men and poor whites who weren't fusionists or republicans also felt that a lot of black men were already going after the jobs of white men because black men had an easier time getting hired because they were skilled laborers in many cases and like i said the white uh the poor whites usually weren't and some of this is because the slaves had time. Sometimes when they were still when they were still slaves, they sometimes had uh, time to learn a skill because they could sell out their own labor to make money on the side. Some some of them will learn a skill and stuff like that. Whereas uh, poor white farmers might not have had that same. Obviously, freedom's not the right word here, but you, you get the point though. So from what I'm hearing is. The blacks are more qualified because they have had the time to learn these skills and even do these skills. But nah, that makes people upset. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> it's pretty much, you know, the, the former slaves had time when they weren't working in the fields to you know, learn how to, I don't know, make clothes maybe or something. You know, you know any kind of skilled labor, really. Right. So a lot of them had easier times getting jobs in Wilmington compared to uh, compared to poor whites. So this is kind of a case of, I guess, the conservative whites were like, oh, they're going to take our jobs. And the poor whites were like, well, they've already taken mine. Which, I guess, if you think about it, I mean, if someone's looking for a skilled laborer and you aren't a skilled laborer, they didn't really take anything from you because you wouldn't have been hired in the first place. Or at least you certainly wouldn't have been, you know, the first name on their list of, to be hired, if nothing else. They certainly would have gone with any white person who was a skilled laborer before they chose you to do that same job. You're literally telling me that this was a legit episode of South Park. They took our job. <laughs> like, like that's I literally had that flipped. same thought when I was yeah when I was writing all this down. I had that exact oh same thought. Oh my god! I'm sorry. So like I said, some things <laughs> just don't change. That's it. Because we literally we still hear this joint to this day. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. It's it's comical. <clears throat> and uh, you know, but also, I mean, there was only handful of wealthy blacks in Wilmington, in the state really, only a handful who owned land uh, only a handful who weren't still dirt fucking poor uh, there I went okay, that's on me, anyway only a handful <laughs> who weren't dirt poor but you know uh, so even a lot of well some, some of the white Republicans who would align themselves with uh Black people had started to become kind of disillusioned by their by what they perceived of as a lack of progress. And this next bit, this is a quote from the 
uh, governor of North Carolina from 1897 to 1901, who was a Republican elected on a fusionist ticket, uh, Daniel L. Russell, when he was talking about the lack of progress blacks had made in North Carolina in the like 30 years following the end of slavery and what he said, what he said. He said, an impression prevails that these colored people have grown greatly in wealth. It is not, not true. In North Carolina, they had as fair a chance as in any other southern state, perhaps better than any other. They are 30% of the population. After 30 years of opportunity, they have 3% of the property. True, they may claim that this is all a net gain as they started with no property, but they did not start with nothing. They started with enormous advantages over whites. They were accustomed to labor. They had been for generations the producers of the state and the whites the consumers. They were accustomed to hardship and privation and patient industry. They had the muscle. If in this 30 years they have only acquired this pittance, where will they be in another 30 years considering that the advantages of their start are largely, if not entirely, lost? So basically, one of those things you it's not common to hear today, but you still hear it sometimes. Basically, they had a head start because they were slaves. You know, they were used <laughs> to working to <laughs> in the fields and doing labor and whatnot. So why have they come so little in three decades worth of time instead of, you know, why don't they own more property than just three percent when they're 30 percent of the population, despite the obvious answers to that question, namely being racism, the Klan, lack of opportunity, despite the fact that some people thought they had better opportunities because they were better equipped, so to speak, to do hard labor and whatnot, which obviously doesn't make sense. You know, poor person's a poor person, doesn't matter if they used to be a slave or not. They still don't have money. They still don't have land. Or if they do have land, it's not worth very much and they can't grow very many crops on it. So, you know, it's not really it's not really an equal start when you started as a slave and the guy down the street started free. It's not really an equal start. And the guy down the street still poor too anyway. So like how are you expecting someone who was born a slave thirty years ago? to like suddenly own more land than a white guy just because, oh, you're used to it. I mean, that doesn't really make sense, you know. I'm about to say, that wouldn't make sense at all. Yeah, like that's not, it's not opportunity. That's just, you're not a slave anymore. I'm getting started. It's not really a fair chance. (laughs) Pretty much, right? (laughs) Like that's not a fair chance, you know. That's not opportunity that's, I mean, it's basically a start. It's like it's the beginning. That's it. You know, you're at the starting line now because you're not a slave. You couldn't own property as a slave. You're at the starting line now. White people had, at this point, like 200 years. But, I mean, you know, as far as the last time I checked, 200 is a bigger number than 30. So. Nah, man, you gotta, you gotta, you, you know, know, put your, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, and you know, you could just get there. Overnight. I think this, this is another thing I think specifically that's uh, you kind of hear today like oh you know Jim Crow segregation ended 50, um, 50 
seven fifty eight whatever years ago, you know. So it's not it's not the government's fault or anything that uh, black people don't have more money or whatever the case may be. But it's like, okay, yeah, sure, segregation ended fifty eight years ago, but um, that that's it, full stop. Period. It's not like it's not like they were given money or anything to make up for the past hundred years of segregation. Facts. That's not a head start. That's not. That's just okay. You can now when everyone else started three hundred years ago. My face right now. You know, it's not really my- equality, or at least it is equality, but it's not equity. It's not fair. Right. So you know. My face right now just like thanks God that this is an audio podcast and not a, a video one because I feel like we have the same face of mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah so yeah you know this shows that even some Republicans were still prejudiced towards blacks you know some of them were still racist just you know maybe less so and so you know it was around this time uh, 1897 I believe. That a man named Furniford Simmons was what a name, right? That is it always a name. Oh it's always God. the bad people with the best names. <laughs> but uh, real Florida. He man, was elected man. as <laughs> he was elected as chairman of the Democratic Party in North Carolina. So he was in charge of the party and like campaigning and whatnot, and he was responsible for developing their campaign strategy for 1898. And it was his idea to run a white supremacy campaign and make the main issue of the 1898 election uh, an issue of race, so white versus black, which, again, so it's a lot similar to how some uh, Republicans now run on just single issues like abortion or on um, uh, trans rights or you know stuff like that instead of like actual policies. It's just, oh, here's this you know, minority group, I'm going to target them because that's going to get me votes. And yeah, you know, like, you, get you, you do this or whatever, you don't go to church on Sundays. Yeah. That, yeah, that. you know. So this Ugh. is just like that, really. I mean, it's the same damn thing. Not <laughs> they got, they got one the bit of difference. <laughs> it's I mean, the blueprint much. right here. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's, it's what Nixon did. Kind of what Reagan did. He didn't have to try that hard. Certainly, what Trump did. It's what uh, it's what Ted Cruz is doing. It's what Marco Rubio's doing. It's what Rick Scott's doing. It, you know, still happening. It's still extremely common. So, uh, so Simmons decided to work with the Secret Nine because they funded a lot of his efforts, and he began to recruit men who could write, speak, and ride. Uh, to so basically. Writers were people who could create the propaganda, um, political cartoons, newspaper articles, stuff like that, that would uh, support his campaign plans. And uh, speakers were people who could speak convincingly in public and spread these, spread this propaganda. And writers were quite literally uh, intimidating white men who could ride horses and scare black people. And white Republicans. That was their job was literally to scare blacks and white Republicans into staying away from the polls in 1898 to better ensure the uh, Democrats would win 
all or most of the elections. So they're scaring people away, and we also it's basically have people, the Klan all over again. Right, maybe and, a little less violent, but and they're out yeah. there drawing up. They're out here drawing us with big lips or whatever, eating watermelon. Yeah, pretty much. God, Which, okay. Where, I mean, where the watermelon won't even come from? Watermelon, pretty good. Yeah, no, favorite, and I, who hates I, watermelon, right? Who hates chicken? That's what I'm yeah, really confused about. Like, watermelon. like what? Like, who I, 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 I well, okay, Kool Aid value, Kool Aid, but still, I just I've never understood it or whatever. I'm like, fam, you know, you make it like it's not like black people just walk around with a with a whole watermelon just digging in. Walking down the street, like what? what? Yeah, I got some grape drink. You know what I'm saying? Now, you know, now if it was <laughs> it was a drawing of some some chitlins. Maybe you might have a point there. I, hey, I, I'll be real with you. I I will also say though, I I know white people to eat chitlins or whatever. That's not a that's oh, not no, a that's a race thing. That's a southern thing. That's a core thing. That's what. Oh, that's it. Yeah. It's just like um, it's like pig tongues. My grandfather used to eat pig tongues. Oh yeah, we bro, we 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 grew up in a town where like one of the main attractions is the pork center. <laughs> yep. So I, I, went, I went with my grandparents once, and I'm like, y'all don't have to eat this slave food no more. You know that, right? <laughs> no, you they can don't. buy a steak. Don't. Like, you don't have to eat the, the the tongue. I don't understand what's appetizing about a, a tongue. It's, Corey, do you eat pigtails? I gotta know. I never, no, I don't even think my grandparents ate pigtails. It's fire. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, bro. It's really good. Yeah, I think I've eaten every part of the pig. Hold on. I mean, God, I'm terrible. I've eaten, I haven't had pig tongues, and I refuse to eat, like, chitlins. I just, I refuse. Oh, yeah. I, well, I'm, I, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to use the term or the word or whatever, because, you know, we're going to be a little bit better, but <laughs> some, some, some chitlins with some, with some hot sauce or whatever. I mean, I, I think I'm setting us back like 20 years right now. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you like what you like. Yeah. I just, I just, I don't want to like it. That's why I don't try it. I don't want to be one of those. But, uh, so yeah, so, um, the Simmons, you know, he worked with like popular newspapers. Um, I believe the the Charlotte News Observer, I think, was one, and the News Argus in Raleigh, I think, was another. Which I think the News Argus is still a paper, right? That one's still a paper. Yeah, the News Argus is still a thing, yeah. because um, that was our joint in our hometown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the Charlotte Observer might be. I don't know. In Charlotte, so I don't know. I think I don't know that's what newspapers are out there. The one surprised me. Right. A lot. Of, a lot of the newspapers. Uh, a lot of them old, old newspapers, and they've been around long ass time, which is uh, kind of impressive. Just, just wait till we have an episode about people who, um, oh crap, the newspaper's talking bad about me. Let me buy the paper. So yeah, that's gonna stop now. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't think yeah. of anyone that's done that. Yeah, right. Uh, imagine having that much money. You insulted me. Now yeah. I own your company. Sorry, you're fired. <laughs> I wish. Oh. Uh, anyway, yeah. So you know he's working with. Uh, he would have the newspapers, you know, draw the cartoons or publish articles about uh, unruly black people who had the audacity to show disrespect to uh, whites in public. Definitely couldn't do that back then. And now most of these were lies, you know. Hey, most black people weren't that stupid. 
to disrespect a white man in public because even even in a state like North Carolina at this time where Republicans and fusionists still had a lot of political power, ain't nobody was about to disrespect a white man in public and get his ass beat. Mm. Like, like, nah. You know what I mean? So these, this is not a lie. Lies. I'm sure there are a few, but for the most part, these are lies. It's just to make people afraid. So again, what's changed, really? You know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say a little inside joke that only a couple of us are gonna get, Corey. But um, mm-hmm. that is literally sounding like a certain place that WWE was in last Saturday. So it sounds very much like that place. Yeah, I'm about to say if you know, you know. That's all I'm gonna say about it. <laughs> just you know, race instead of gender in this case. Well, well, gender didn't help, I guess. But uh. So, yeah, you know, spreading lies and whatnot. Because that's how, to be fair, I mean, <laughs> what politician doesn't lie, though, right? Yeah. So that's a whole other issue. And then, so I found two quotes that I think really just kind of summarize the 1898 white supremacy campaign. It kind of reflect today still. Not literally, because... These are kind of super racist, but kind of in a general sense. Uh, So the first one is uh, North Carolina is a white man state and white men in these quotes, white man state and white men, all caps. I didn't do it. They were like that when I found them. So, you know, they really emphasize in the white part in the man part because women couldn't vote, obviously. But that's a whole different issue. Uh, So North Carolina is a white man state and white men. will rule it, and they will crush the party of Negro domination beneath a majority so overwhelming that no other party will ever dare to attempt to establish Negro rule here. That was said by Furniful Simmons, our boy from the start of this whole thing. And in the future, was elected to uh, U.S. Senate. I think it might have been the House, but I think it was the Senate. Either way, he was elected to Congress. I, I, I got to jump in you with know, one thing before you, read well the, him. before you read the second quote. I got I to gotta jump in with one <laughs> yeah. thing. What's terrible, and I'm pretty sure like you guys can look this up or whatever, Corey. You you might know about this, you might not. I mm-hmm. literally like have read and like seen stuff or whatever. If you go back and like read how certain people spoke about the NBA before Magic and Larry Bird came in, like that, like that early '80s and like '70s era. Oh, the league's oh, yeah. too black. You know what I'm saying? Like no one wants to oh, watch these. Like what they used to call the Knicks, the the inward bockers. Uh, yeah. In yeah. the newspaper, that was I saw the I saw that written. I don't remember what I was watching a documentary or something. Uh, fact, it might have been about the Celtics and Lakers. Anyway, I saw. Yeah, and it, it's crazy because it's like, no, that was the seven. Parents were here. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was the 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 Walt Fraser Knicks. In the paper. And the second quote, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be in front of this one. This one, this one has a in word with the hard R in it, but I think it's important to, you know, when you're reading quotes from people. Yeah, drop it. It's particularly, drop it, yeah, you know, so <clears throat> this one, I, I don't, I couldn't find who said this one. Damn. I think it was a, somebody from working at a newspaper or something. But, uh, they said it will be the meanest, vilest, dirtiest campaign since 1876. The slogan of the Democratic Party from the mountains to the sea will be but one word, nigger. You know, <laughs> they knew what they were doing. What does that even mean? 
just that it, the, the one issue they were running on would be race, would be keeping down black people. So like I said, Jeez. they know what they do. It's like when um, someone runs for office today and their whole issue is, oh, trans rights are destroying the modern American family or whatever. It's the same thing. Right. It's, like, still, don't, it's don't a little more because the they're not dropping slurs, but right. it's the same thing. You know, a white man state ruled by white men. Oh, it's no different than, oh, this is a Christian country and it always will be, or a straight, uh, you know, only straight people or whatever. It's the same thing. It's no different. It's just a little more polite because you can't get away with saying slurs anymore as much as some people clearly wish they could. I'm telling you, if you're one of those people and you feel like you just just say the word, we'll all feel better. I just, just think word. about this or whatever, bro. Literally in our like childhood, I know you remember this shit. Oh, God, see, see. I said this time it was you. See, no, no, it, it happened because I, I get so pissed off about it. But like, they went from, oh, yeah, we gotta God. Keep a, we got to keep a swear jar for both of us. <laughs> like, no, I just get upset because it, it, it upsets me or whatever. I ain't going to say it pisses nah, me off or whatever. But, like, we've seen on ESPN and back in the day or whatever, like, sports, oh, God, this thug out here, you know what I'm saying? And uh, now I have, they can't. Just, I have one quote. These uh, nappy-headed hoes, and you know what I'm talking about. Bam, yes. And even, like, now, and I, I tell my boy how it upsets me or whatever because I never hear certain players of certain skin tones be referred to as divas and like it's like okay so now you can't call us that so now it's like oh my god you like being compared to a woman is an insult like grow up also yeah right like oh i'm not gonna say it but you know he's a word for a vagina right like really is that what we're doing sometimes i still say that i'll be the first person to admit but i try not to say that so much anymore because like what does that really mean Right, like, once I really really thought about it, I'm like, you know, that's not an insult, dude. Like, grow up. Like, just call him a coward. It's not gay. You know, it's the same things, more accurate. I just feel like it's always referred to us, and that's why it upsets me. But go ahead, It's like, you know, Grayson Allen, the only white player in recent memory I can really think of who was hated for being an asshole. That one's okay. Also, when he took out um, everyone's favorite um, Caucasian, Alex Caruso, he the the hate got even better. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I remember that one was. <laughs> mm, I'm surprised he's still in the NBA after that one. I thought I was like, everyone loves Alex Caruso and everyone hates Grayson Allen. It's like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is. Great I really right thought someone was gonna beat him up for that one. I was like, oh man, they need to put that man in police protection because he gonna he gonna get jumped by black people because black people love Alex. Caruso. I was like, everyone loves Alex Caruso. <laughs> <laughs> he in trouble. <laughs> oh but god! Yeah. And in Chicago? Like, come on. Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, you know, by mid eighteen ninety eight, uh, some prominent Democrats started organizing what they referred to as white supremacy clubs. Again, they were not ashamed about this stuff back then. They they said it with they just Kevin Hart style. You know what I mean? They were racist and they were proud of it. I mean. I don't know if I'd say they're ashamed of it now, but they sure aren't as uh, vocal about it, that's for sure. So, you know, yeah, they started forming uh, white supremacy clubs. And I'm I, I'm sure the individual clubs had individual names, but you know, I wouldn't be worried about that. Uh, in October, 
uh, in Fayetteville, they staged their largest political rally of the current campaign up to that point. It was attended by, I didn't get a total number of attendees, but uh, I assume it was probably several thousand at least if I had to guess. The big issue here, though, is it was attended by 300 red shirts, which is marks the first time the red shirts made an appearance in North Carolina. So, you know, like I said, they started in Mississippi in 1875. And uh, so by 1898, 300 of them are here in North Carolina at a political rally in Fayetteville. Jeez. Four days after this, I think the rally was, I think it was October 20th, I believe. So I think on the 24th, four days later, back in Wilmington, most of the city's prominent white men, including Charles B. Acock, who, like I said earlier, is from where we're from, the high school is named after him, went on yeah. to become governor, champion of education. Well, that part's true, but I mean, still doesn't mean all that much when you're a racist that supported the Klan. Uh, they packed the Salian Hall Opera House, which I don't know if that's still open in Wilmington or not. I didn't, I didn't really look it up. But uh, yeah, so, you know, if anyone is listening from Wilmington, you probably know about the Opera House if it's still there today. Uh, so they, they were there to listen to a speech by Alfred Moore Waddell, who I believe, in fact, let me look it up really quick, because I think he used to be a prominent politician in the state before Reconstruction. Okay. Um, yes, in 18, from 1871 to 1879, he was a member of the U.S. House, House of Representatives from the 3rd District of North Carolina. In fact, he was succeeded as to the House by Daniel L. Russell, the dude I quoted earlier, who was governor during this time. But yeah, he kind of fell out of popularity at one point, and he was kind of down on his luck and whatnot. I think he was kind of low on money, but he kind of got himself in with the Secret Nine and whatnot and kind of became like their spokesperson in a way. I believe he was also a Confederate officer, but from North Carolina, it doesn't really mean much because a lot of North Carolina... And then North Carolina sent the most men, I believe, and had the most casualties out of southern states. But also a lot of North Carolina units during the Civil War didn't actually do anything because governor was like, I, you know, we're cool. We're just going to stay down here and do our own thing. So I think his unit was one of those that just kind of bounced around the state for a bit. Uh, but, yeah, he was like the kind of main spokesperson at a lot of these rallies and whatnot. So on October 24th in Thaline Hall in Wilmington, he gave a speech. Like I said, attended by Acock and a bunch of others. I think Simmons was there as well. And basically, he proclaimed that Negro suffrage, <clears throat> Negro suffrage, just for anyone that doesn't know suffrage, is just the right to vote. So okay, that Negro suffrage, yeah, was the greatest crime ever perpetrated against modern society. <laughs> the greatest crime. Christ. Nothing, couldn't imagine anything worse than a black man voting. The greatest uh. crime ever. In modern society really shows where their heads were at with them, right he called wow. for uh, punishing the race traitors as they refer to the white republicans and fusionists who enabled negro suffrage and he closed out his speech with a decree basically a decree of no surrender and he said and this is a direct quote we will never surrender to a ragged raffle of negroes even if we have to choke the Cape Fear River with carcasses. 
basically, you know, being God. steroids saying, look, we got to kill enough black people that the Cape Fear River doesn't even run into the sea anymore, and so be it. So like I said, they bowed about it. <laughs> a, a pretty good way to put it. I don't even have words. It's just it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know. And again, it's 1898. This is 124 years ago. It's not that long. When you really think about it, it's not that long. It was only yeah. 20-ish years before the First World War. And I never knew a word about this till my last class of graduate school. I imagine most people don't know anything about it. Right. You know, like I said, we went to Charles Baycock High School. We didn't learn about this. No, you just they, learned they don't teach you certain things. Plan. And, you know, obviously, you know, you can't learn everything, but I feel like this is one of those things. You live in North Carolina, you go to a high school named after one of the dudes that participated. This feels kind of important, right? You know, it'd be one thing if you didn't learn about this in Texas. All right, it makes sense. You got to learn about Texas stuff. This is North Carolina. How are we not going to learn about this? We live here. I want to know how many people that live in Wilmington learn about this. It, it happened there. I feel like it's not many. So, anyway, a few days after this speech, uh, Waddell, Acock, Simmons, and others met where we're from in Goldsboro for a white supremacy convention. Oh, their name Jesus. for it. They called it that. Uh, where Waddell more or less gave the same speech he'd given in Wilmington, basically just ending it again, saying they would clog the Cape Fear with black bodies if that was what it took. And the clog the Cape Fear with black bodies part was a quote that he said those words. After this convention, which was again attended by a lot of red shirts, they went out, decided to terrorize white Republicans and blacks in eastern North Carolina, emulating a lot of the terror of the earlier Ku Klux Ku Klux Klan. God, I hate that name. Pick a better name. <laughs> oh, like, you're going to be racist. Fire name or something. I mean, I mean, terrible, but at least the Secret Nine is kind of fire. Yeah, right. Secret Nine, that sounds like some Marvel comic book type stuff. Ku, Ku Klux Klan. You nerds. Like, come on. It, it's like, bro, it, swear, it, it honestly I sounds don't like. I understand how are they so terrifying. They dress in bed sheets and, like, have grand dragons. I mean, what are you playing, Dungeons and Dragons? Which ain't nothing wrong with that, but it's not terrifying. Show your face, cowards, you know. Yeah, that too. Clue, clucks, clean. What? Nerds. That's all I have to say about that. You know, murderous, racist, terrible nerd. Nerds. I'm a nerd, so I can say that it's cool. I like Dungeons and Dragons. So anyway, yeah, the red shirts went out and started. I don't think, I didn't read anything about them killing anyone. I'm sure some people got killed, but I didn't read about like widespread murder or lynchings. So I guess that's an improvement. Uh, so I did nothing. If you, if you, yeah, if you want to look at it that way. But yeah, basically they went around beating uh, white Republicans and black voters in basically asking them a gunpoint are you going to stay away from the polls in November? And if your answer was yes, they'd write off and do it to someone else. Jeez. So, yeah. So, you know, a lot of populists, uh, poor white farmers, and including some who were direct victims of red shirt attacks, actually began to speak out to 
speak out against the red shirts and the Democrats, which ain't that brave because <laughs> they weren't kidding about killing you. They would have killed you. Like, they were not afraid to do it. Just, you know, probably better not to do it if you don't have to do it. But they would they would do it. I mean, they want a game to one. I, I don't uh, even so, yeah. know the levels of terrifying that this sounds yeah, like. Yeah, right. Yeah, imagine being dragged drug out of your home in front of your wife and kids uh, by some some white dudes with pistols and getting whipped across your back, and they ask you a gunpoint. You're gonna vote <laughs> if your answer is anything but no. You might get shot right there on your front porch. Jeez. And if you do, nobody's gonna do anything about it. They're not gonna go to prison. The police are gonna cover it up. Most likely, sheriff sheriff ain't saw nothing. Neighbors ain't seen nothing. You know, if your wife and I read about this yes, just the other day, I don't remember any details, unfortunately, but a, a woman's husband was lynched. Um, I forget when in the exact context, but he was lynched. And uh, so she tried to go to the police and whatnot and tried to get them arrested for it because she knew who did it. So they lynched her, too. Jeez. It was a lot more gruesome than that because I'll spare the, the worst details because. That, that one messed me up for a little bit, so I'll spare the worst detail. But yeah, they lynched her too, so you know, wasn't a lot you could do about it. Uh, and even Wilmington's white elite looked down on the red shirts because they viewed them as low-class thugs and ruffians. And most of them would have been poor, you know. What businessman's going to go out and beat a black man to get him not to vote? I'll just make a poor guy do it for me. You know, mm-hmm. so they didn't like the red shirt, but they sure didn't have any problem using them throughout the city. And then uh, on November 1st, uh, a thousand red shirts led a parade through Wilmington's black neighborhoods. <clears throat> Obviously, a terrified black voters. They were joined by the New Hanover County horsemen, which just a bunch of racist white dudes with horses, basically. <laughs> and also some former Rough Riders. The Rough Riders were, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, they fought in the um, Spanish-American War, which took place like six months in 1898, I think. And uh, they were Teddy Roosevelt's unit and you know, San Juan Hill and all that. You know, look up, they're pretty interesting. Look them up if you want to. But yeah, some, some Rough Riders joined them, you know, some former military guys. The Rough Riders and everything, and not the former DMX group, and or no, yeah, every, not those Rough Riders, and or every <laughs> black car group or whatever, because they're all the Rough Riders. Just saying. Yeah, we're not the most creative sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just like, yo, man, that DMX drone was cold, man. Who right, we gonna be? Yeah. The Rough Riders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and everyone else. But yeah, so this is November first. Uh, the big parade through the black neighborhoods of the city. Then after these overt displays of white supremacy and political violence, uh, a lot of blacks and women can tried to buy guns to defend themselves, because clearly very necessary by this point. Unfortunately, all of the gun merchants in Wilmington had already decided they weren't going to sell weapons to black people. Ah, uh, so yeah, some some of them, some of the black people in the city tried to buy. Uh, guns directly from the manufacturers like they would try to buy a rifle directly from Remington but Remington would then uh, they didn't usually handle orders that way for like individual guns at least so they would refer the order to the state to the North Carolina state branch of the Remington Rifle Company 
and they would refer to the Wilmington branch, and in the Wilmington branch, oh, it's a black guy. They would tell the state level, oh, it's a black guy, and then the state level, like, oh, it's a black guy, and then they wouldn't get a gun. Jesus. So, yeah. Yeah, you know. And it's, then, it's uh, getting worse. Yeah, so between the 1st and 10th of November, not a single gun was sold to a black person. 400 were sold to white people over that same stretch of 10 days. Every it, it was they basically bought so many guns, <clears throat> uh, the white people, that uh, the gun merchants ran out of guns. There were no more guns to be bought in Wilmington, so they had to buy guns from like uh, neighboring cities and towns and whatnot. How many guns they bought? Mm. So basically, any guns a black person had at this point would have been outdated muskets and pistols, like black powder pistols and muskets. And, you know, you're not gonna win that fight. And the other guy had 400 modern rifles and whatnot. Not at all. They also had a Gatlin gun. So, you know, cool. Not anything. Unless we had like a super powered um, Negro, like The Rock or whatever, you know, who (laughs) grabbed an entire Gatlin gun with his one arm in Fast (laughs) 5 or 6, whichever one that was. Which, who knows at this point? 17, (laughs) I don't know. I'm sorry. I had to get that joke off. You know, that's one of my faves. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah. But um, even though they weren't allowed to buy guns, the black population, a lot of local newspapers started saying that they had been arming themselves and were pe- preparing for a violent confrontation. So, again, I believe we would call this, and I quote, fake news. Come on, man. You that's know, never happened. Riling up. They basically just riling up the white people and said, oh, you better watch out. These uppity Negroes have guns and they might be coming for you, even though they literally didn't have guns because they literally couldn't buy guns. And literally all of the white people did have guns because they bought all the guns. I mean, yes. Corey, like, they're I, coming why, for you. how could that ever happen? As Booker or whatever. T would say, coming for you, nigga. <laughs> Look, but, but Corey, how could that ever happen? I mean, you know, they would never make movies or whatever that would portray black men out here just trying to snatch up white women and, you know, they're going to steal your wives and kids because, you know, like vampires or something. That's that also another thing they started doing during this. I mean, they kind of did it before this, too. They also yeah. started doing that during this campaign, too. It's like, uh, I forget the exact details, but basically, it's like, oh, yeah, black men are going to steal your wives because. Oh, jeez. Which doesn't really make sense when you think about it because, like, I mean, the women were racist, too. So it's not like most of them would have willingly slept with a black guy. And they weren't, like, outright saying they were going to rape white women. I mean, sometimes they said that, too. But it's all like, yeah, they're going to steal your wives. Like, what do you mean steal? They're racist, too. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, we finished this up or whatever. I'm going to tell you about something I literally heard this week and everything. You're going to get, like, a little kick out of it. But, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the 1898 election took place on November 8th, and uh, a lot of black people and white Republicans decided not to vote to avoid further violence, and also because the red shirts were patrolling town and had uh, blocked every road leading out of the city, and any blacks who did try to vote were driven away with gunfire. Fun. That just wasn't happening at all. And Governor Russell, who was actually from the city of Wilmington, uh, he had withdrawn his name from the ballot in New Hanover County because he knew he wasn't going to get to vote on that one. But he still came to the city hoping he could ease the racial tension. Instead, the red shirt stormed his train car and tried to lynch him before he got away. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, so because of this, Democrats received 6,000 votes, which was a net increase of 11,000 because the last election, the Fusionist Party got 5,000 votes. But it was quickly determined after this that uh, the only way they could have gotten that many votes was through election fraud. I.e., they stuffed the ballots. Literally, they, they stuffed the ballots. Some of them admitted to it later that some of the red shirts would leave uh, Democrat ballots in specific locations so that they could replace any Republican votes <clears throat> after the fact. So, you know, yeah. I had a quote here, in fact, from the Washington Post. That said, oh, I'm ready for uh, this had, one. The Washington Post had a, uh, one of their writers was in the city for the election, and he said, no one for a moment supposes that this was the result of a free and untrammeled ballot, and a Democratic victory here, as in, as in other parts of the state, was largely a result of suppression of the Negro vote. So even immediately after the vote, they were like, yeah, this shit wasn't fair. They cheated. We know they cheated. <laughs> They know they cheated. They're not hiding it. So what? What you gonna do about it? Literally. Yeah, right, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. you know, they won. Uh I believe uh yeah, they won, uh, obviously. But despite this, the biracial fusionist government of the city remained in power because the mayor and the uh, county aldermen were not up for re-election in 1898. So the Democrats didn't really have, they hadn't gained that much power in the actual election, which is what led to what comes next. So the night after the election, Democrats ordered whites to patrol the streets of the city because they expected blacks to retaliate, probably hoping they could use that as justification to overthrow the government, but nothing happened. So on November 9th, the morning of November 9th, a bunch of them met, uh, I think, at the courthouse, I believe, and Alfred Waddell read to a large crowd what they called the White Declaration of Independence, asserting the supremacy of the white race and proclaiming that blacks should stop hindering the interests of whites with their votes. And they had like eight demands, and I'm kind of going to briefly read here <clears throat> as part of the White Declaration of Independence. Uh, the, <clears throat> the time has come for the intelligent citizens of this community owning 95% of the property and paying taxes in proportion to end the rule by Negroes. We will not tolerate the action of unscrupulous whites in affiliating with the Negroes so that by means of their vote, they can dominate the intelligent and thrifty element in the community, thus causing businesses <clears throat> to stagnate and progress to be out of the question that progress, right? That the Negro has demonstrated by antagonizing our interests in every way, and especially by his ballot, that he is incapable of realizing that his interests are and should be identical with those of the community, that the progressive element in any community is the white population, and that the giving of nearly all the employment to Negro laborers has been against the best interests of this community and city, and is sufficient reason why the city of Wilmington with all its natural advantages has not become a city of at least 50,000 inhabitants. I believe it was around 40,000 at this point with still pretty big city for North Carolina back then. That we propose in the future to give white men a large part of the employment heretofore given to Negroes because we realize that white families cannot thrive here unless there are more opportunities for employment 
of different members of their families that we that we white men expect to live in this community peace, peaceably to have and provide absolute protection for our families who shall be safe from insult or injury from all persons whomsoever. We are prepared to treat the Negroes with justice in all matters which do not involve sacrifice of the intelligent and progressive portion of the community, but are equally prepared and now immediately to enforce what we know to be our rights. That we have been in our desire for harmony and peace, blinded to both our interests and our rights, a climax was reached when the Negro paper of this city published an article so vile and slanderous that it would in most communities have resulted in a lynching. And yet there is no punishment provided by the courts adequate for the offense. We therefore owe it to the people of this community and city as protection against such license in the future that the record, that's the <clears throat> Negro newspaper in question, that the record cease to be published and its editor banished from this community. We demand that he leave the city within 24 hours after the issuance of this proclamation. Second, that the printing press from which the record has been issued be shipped from the city without delay, that we be notified within 12 hours of the acceptance or rejection of this demand. And the uh, editor and owner of the uh, <clears throat> the record was a black man, and his, I think his brother, but I think just Charles Manley was the editor, but it was co-owned by his brother. But Charles Manley is the one who like, wrote the articles and whatnot. And he was warned... I think the day before about this. So he had already fled the city, basically. Oh, no, he was warned that day and he fled the city like that night before they could find him and, you know, lynch him. Jesus. Uh, and so they gave the city, you know, they gave the blacks in the city like a day, 12 hours, 24 hours, something like that, to consider these demands. And when day broke on the morning of November 10th, they hadn't received an answer yet. So around eight in the morning, a group of 500 white men led by Waddell armed themselves with rifles and a Gatling gun. They stormed the building of the Wilmington Daily Mail, which is the, the newspaper. Right. Um, whose owner had already fled the city and they burned it to the ground. After the fire at the newspaper, the mob numbered around 2,000 men, and they went through black neighborhoods in the city, destroying homes and businesses with the mentality <clears throat> of, and it's to quote, killing every damn nigger in sight. Uh. Waddell led a group to disband the city government, while many other whites began attacking any blacks they could find. So just any black person they could find in the city, <clears throat> they would attack them. Some of them got killed. Uh, Governor Russell, he sent the Wilmington Light Infantry to try to control the violence, but they ended up firing on whites and blacks and killed several black residents in the city. And by 4 p.m., the mayor and aldermen and the police chief were all forced to resign, and they had all been replaced, and Waddell was installed as the new mayor. Many blacks who weren't killed fled into the swamps around Wilmington to escape the violence. Right. By the end of the day, as many as 300 had been killed, but we don't know the exact number. Somewhere from 14 to 300, though. Uh, and many of the men who organized the, this coup went on to see significant political success. Like I already mentioned, Furnival Simmons was elected to uh, Congress. Uh, Aycock was elected governor. Several others went on to see plenty of other political sets as well, but I'm not going to 
list all of them, of course. Uh, and then in 1899, Democrats set out to ensure that blacks not be able to vote in large numbers ever again. And this is basically kind of the beginnings of Jim Crow disenfranchisement, uh, segregation, and all stuff like that. And the success of the Wilmington insurrection basically proved that Furnival Simmons' white supremacy campaign could be successful in the entirety of the South. And so it spread through all the other former Confederate states that helped usher in the era of Jim Crow and disenfranchisement. So, yeah, you know. I've been meaning to say something for like the last five or ten minutes, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to let you cook. And I've just been so fucking disgusted. Excuse me, I don't even care. Swear, swear jar, I don't care. That 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 was, that was. Hey, but you know, you know, we're we're tired. We we you shouldn't <clears throat> exist. So we're just gonna like, you know, like we're not we're not men. So we're just gonna like squad up and we're gonna take you out. Yeah, that's that's yeah, what's happening. Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. I'm not gonna lie. I would be down if Carolina wasn't smacking state right now. <laughs> I would, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of down, and I kind of like, I don't know. I need like Lupe Fiasco's uh, Tetsuo and Youth album in me. I, I'm upset. <laughs> wow. Right. I don't, I don't even know if it's like. I mean, it is insane, yes, but I'm like, I don't even know if I should be shocked because, like, you know, I feel like we know these stories or whatever, but it's just like the thing. Oh yeah, like literally right down the road in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. This joint happened what, or whatever. Two hours in here? Yeah, I'm about to say, yeah, two hours. Literally in my great grandmother's um, time of living, you know what I'm saying? Right. It really was not that long ago. Because I'm like, shoot, my grandma was born in 36, so. Yeah, my, uh, my grandfather was born in 40, so. Uh... Yeah, his grandparents are probably alive for this. Jesus. <sighs> um, gracious. Do, do do you have anything else, sir? I I don't even know. I'm sorry. I did not mean <laughs> to even cut you off at all. I'm just like I I'm, just, I'm no, disgusted right yeah, now. That's yeah. That was the end of what I had. Just, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that I feel like people should look at, think about, and be like, you know, a lot of this stuff is still happening. Less violent, maybe less uh, less outwardly racist, perhaps, or perhaps a focus on different groups like uh, gay people or trans people and stuff like that. But you know, it's still happening. Yeah, it, it, it's it's terrifying because I was gonna say earlier or whatever, like you know, God forbid when they do some stuff like oh, oh matter, matter of fact, you know, literally, literally the same thing where it's like oh, you know, the black men they're gonna go steal your wives, oh, you know, it turns into at least with trans people, oh my God, they're just gonna go in like your bathrooms and take your mm-hmm. kids, like who is yeah. doing this, sir? Like but what they is can't, the evidence? They can't find you know any a single case of it actually happening. Like like it's never happened ever, but it's like hey, well it could. Ooh, right. Like no, no, like, nothing. No, stop. Nah, nah, it ain't. No, it ain't happened. It ain't it, chief. Like yeah, I mean yeah, it's just, Well, like um, a few years ago, twenty eighteen maybe. Well, like the big issue for that election was uh oh the migrant caravan. Soon as the election was over, you didn't hear another word about the migrant caravan. You ain't heard nothing about it since. Not a thing. It's just or you know, 
or you know one of one of my favorite ones or whatever too hey you know a bunch of um i mean i yeah, a bunch, bunch of just um, old white dudes or whatever. Yeah, um, women. Yeah, we're telling you what to do with your bodies. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You know. That one's not going away anytime soon. But that is another big one. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just all these single issue campaigns because they know it'll get them the votes they need to win, so they don't have to care about anything else. They just make people angry, and angry people vote. God, yeah. Um, mm. I'm disgusted. I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm really. I feel away now. <laughs> God. Oh man, yeah. We, oh gracious. Um. Well, do you, you have anything in closing, my good sir? I mean, you, 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 you killed that, my gracious. I mean, I. Just- I always say I don't know how you did this or whatever because I feel like everything I would have learned, I would have like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disgusting. I don't want to come back to class. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> it's not always fun. I say that. For me, it's just you know when you when you learn about the stuff or look into this stuff in your own time, just you know realize how some of it's not all that different from what's happening right now, and why you know so many people are still kind of upset by these things because things haven't changed as much as as much as we might like to pretend they've changed. Right. And I don't even want to get into a full on conversation about critical race theory, but people who are just like, oh, I don't like it or whatever. And I've literally sent you oh, videos yeah, of people saying, yeah. yeah, like I've sent you videos or whatever. of, Oh, I don't like it. Well, you know what it is? Um, nah, but I don't really like it. Like <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> hey, man, all I got to say is hit dogs holler or whatever. So if you yeah. feel away or whatever, maybe it's for a reason. Right. Take it's that like whatever said, way not, you want. Yeah, it's not about all white people being bad. That's not what it is. It's just maybe call this stuff out when you see it from now on, you know? Realize the, why it's still happening and whatnot. That it's still happening. But Corey, it's just way easier to put your like fingers your your fingers in your ears and go la 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 I don't see you, you know, like you know, children. Yeah. It's I mean that's that's pretty much what the uh, MLK said about it. <laughs> Grown children, man. People just don't want to upset their own peace because it's not worth it to them because they're not the ones affected by it. God. Mm. Ah, well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say that was the insurrection of, well, Wilmington insurrection of 19, or excuse me, 1898. My God, look at me fumbling the bag at the end. Uh, That was amazing, my good sir. I, I, yeah, I, I definitely would need a drink after this one. Good gracious. Ah, well, we shall return, of course, and everything. Um, uh, Corey has a lot of topics picked out and everything for these first couple episodes. But, you know, we thought we'd start off with some close to home, literally two hours away. And literally somebody that we are aware of because we went to a high school named after him. And also, um, you went to a college where a dorm was named after him yeah, at one point. Also, yes. That one got renamed, though, of course. Yeah, that did. The school was only a matter of time, though. I'd be a lot. I'd be surprised by that one, honestly. Hey, they've been trying, from what I've been hearing. But also, like I said, you know, like when I came back to the city, I don't know what's going on in the city no more, bro. I'm a Greenvillian at this point. <laughs> Look at me watching ECU baseball or whatever on a Saturday afternoon. What am I? <laughs> 
but a, a, a great pilot episode, man. You know, for all that written, all that's written repeats. We said this at the beginning, you know, so I'll say it again, and like we do on all these pods, uh, rate, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, links and everything in the bio description, all that good stuff below, go check it out. Um, I, I will be working on the new Dirty 30 playlist or whatever, Um, it, it kind of speaks for itself or whatever, you know, your boy getting up here in these in, in these streets. And of course, our Black History Month uh you know, playlists or whatever, where literally I had an African R&B artist up there or whatever. So, I mean, what, what I mean, what's more blacker than that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll just say, you know, um, of course, you know, so all, all the, all the stuff we're doing out here, uh, don't bite your tongue. Um, oh, matter, matter of fact, uh, of course, you know, you guys listen to Corey all the time and myself on the wrestling pod. Um, I want to say the coming week, we have the preview for revolution. Yep. You know you're gonna you're gonna drop your well I'm gonna ask you again or whatever, but you're gonna drop your pesos? Catch that? No, Sunday no. night? Not this time. Not this time around. You don't wanna see a bunch of men bleed all over the place? It's gonna be like, <laughs> I mean, over under blood count at three. Oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a, a bloody one, but nah, I'm gonna save my money this time. I feel that. <sighs> You know, uh, Corey, appreciate you like always, man. The brainchild behind this. Yep. And with that one being said, um, he goes by Corey. I go by Luke. And until next time.